0: And one of the things we talk about is if we don't give effort, if we're not recognized for effort at University of Oklahoma, then I'm a con man and they're a fraud.
1: All right, guys, welcome to the Oklahoma Breakdown podcast brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. I'm your host today, Kami Amorabian, joined by Jack Shields. And today to talk about OU Texas, the Red River Shootout, Rivalry Showdown, whatever the hell you want to call it. We have Gerald Goodridge from Burnt Orange Nation. Gerald, how's life and... What's going on, man?
2: Uh, life itself is good. I, I always remind myself of the Augie Garrido quote, uh, everything that matters is all right. Like I took my son to the park after the game on Saturday and just watched him play. It just reminded myself that, you know what? There are more important things in life than football. Uh, so, yeah, I think things, the things that matter are okay.
1: Yeah, that's, the sun came up inevitably Sunday, and things weren't as awful as they seemed to be in the moment. Oh, Sooners fans have been doing that for two weeks. But uh, so, so Jack, to that note, how are you feeling, buddy?
3: Man, um, well, I it's it almost feels unprecedented. You know what I mean? Because this hasn't happened in the regular season to us since 1999. Mm-hmm. Two regular yeah. season losses in a row. I don't, you know, I don't. I haven't been a, I haven't been forced to process this since I was in the fifth grade. So I was obviously in a different emotional state and mental right. state at that point. So um it feels unprecedented um I'm I feel like I'm handling it fairly well <laughs> just because it's 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 COVID times and I feel like I'm numb to everything at this point wouldn't yeah. you say I mean I I feel like I'm not the only person well I I just in like this boat
1: I'm thinking man like this is what OSU fans think all the time and it's it's I mean it sounds awful but then, like you realize, yeah, that actually sounds pretty accurate. Like you go with high hopes and end up with seven wins or six wins, and that's your season. But
3: I mean, be careful what you say about yeah. them this year. They might have oh, the only man. legitimate defense that's, in the Big Twelve. You're so.
1: probably right. You are probably very right. But Oklahoma and Texas enter this game both off losses uh, for the first time since I think 2014. Was that weird game, Joe? Uh, we're gonna game. we're gonna ask you a series of questions, and we hope you have the answers, man.
2: I, I don't have many right now. I don't know what's happening down in Austin, but uh, hopefully I've got some sort of answers.
1: That sounds pretty fair for both sides. But so Mike Yurcich didn't exactly have a conventional offseason like most people. He didn't really have time to install his offense. But how, if at all, does the season's offense differ schematically, maybe in comparison to what the Sooners have seen in previous seasons with Ellinger and Tom Irvin?
2: Uh so I think for for OU fans it's a familiar offense because Yersich was at OSU for a couple of years, I think. Um the the big thing from from Texas is you're seeing a lot more like the of the wide receiver like screen game to to kind of open up and substitute when the run game is not there. You're seeing a whole lot more of that this year. Um You're not seeing as much of the slot receivers kind of in the middle as you know Devin Duvernay and L.J. Humphrey abused you know against basically everybody for those last two seasons. Um, So I think that that's the big the big differentiator, and I think um, schematically speaking. They're asking Ellinger to run less. More often than not, when he's running, uh, he's calling his own number on a scramble or on a on a rollout. And somebody's blitzing, and he needs to kind of change the coverage or change the change the situation. He's had he's had a couple of called runs. He is the absolute worst speed option quarterback I think I've observed in a very long time. Uh, which is not not his game. He's not a speed option quarterback. Um, but they've called that a couple of times, much to my chagrin. So I hope that doesn't come out on Saturday. But yeah, I think it's 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 wider, it's faster, uh, and they're really trying to play with tempo. So speaking of the offense, Sam Ellinger, he looked pretty
3: sharp in the first two games before experiencing some hiccups against TCU. Was it something that TCU was doing schematically on defense, or was it just the uptick in competition, or was it just an off day for Ellinger?
2: So um you put it way nicer than I put it on any recording I've ever done about Sam Ellinger's (laughs) performance on Saturday. Uh, And this is the craziest thing. I looked at the stats and since taking over as a full-time starter in 2018, Sam Ellinger has been below 50% completions on three occasions and two of them have been TCU. So there's something, I don't know what it is that Gary Patterson is doing. I think there is, I honestly think it's really mental because there were some spots where Ellinger and his wide receiver made different reads on coverage and I think the receiver made the right read rather than Sam Ellinger and so it's mental I think he's just not it's it's overstated I think sometimes the guys are trying too hard but I really think Ellinger wanted to go out this year and prove that he could get over the hump beat TCU in the big 12 championship game and hopefully come away with some hardware. And I think he may have just tried too hard to make plays. You know, there were some opportunities. There were like two big drops. Jake Smith dropped a, a touchdown over the middle that would have gone. Like he, there was nobody in the same area code as him when he caught that, when he would have caught that ball and just bounced right off his hand. So there were a couple of spots where wide receivers, uh, Tariq Black had transferred from Michigan, had some really bad route running on some spots. So I think it, there was, there were, mistakes from the wide receiver room and Ellinger I think just wasn't as sharp as he normally is and I think it's, it's I think it's that mental thing with TCU if I'm being completely honest with you
1: yeah and what's, what's really funny is that we we talked about and we, we we previewed Oklahoma together this summer uh when we didn't know football was going to be played and I mentioned you know like what what was what's the legacy of Sam Ellinger going to be like if you know he loses to you talk about like him wanting to really come out and do it all this year what's his legacy if he loses to Texas against the Spencer Raller? But I mean, it seems like the roles are reversed as far as wide receivers are concerned. Like it seems like Oklahoma's always had a dominant wide receiver core, CD lamb, Hollywood, you know, all those dudes in there, DD Westbrook. And now it seems like it's flipped this year. The Oklahoma's their wide receiver. They don't really have a clear cut. Number one And the wide receiver position at Texas. It seems to be a definite strength, whereas Oklahoma's not necessarily a major strength for them. So, which individual in the wide receiver corps really stood out the most, and which one do you expect to show out the most, especially on Saturday? Uh,
2: I think I expect Josh Moore to be a guy who has who has a lot of a lot of action. At least he sees a lot of action. He is. He's a guy who missed all of last year uh, due to some legal issues. He got caught with a gun, and he's like from a rich part of town. Which I was like, he, he even said like I don't know why I had it. It was the weirdest <laughs> thing in the world. Uh, but he uh, so he came sounds out. like
1: he's from Waco or, or Midway. <laughs>
2: <laughs> possibly at uh, <laughs> but he uh so he's a guy he was on the receiving end of like the first pass of the, the season, which went 75 yards for a score. He's a, he's a like six two ish guy, really fluid, uh, can win some jump balls. He's one that you'll like, you'll likely see a lot of, uh, Jake Smith was a guy who's been injured. Uh, he was the, the Gatorade player of the year in Arizona, I think his senior year in high school. So, uh, this is his first real year of getting in the mix of things. Uh, so he actually has some specific looks that they've drawn up for him just because he's such a, such a talented receiver in space. Jordan Whittington, uh, is a guy who hasn't played played like six snaps this season because he's uh, he's pretty injury prone or at least he's two for two now uh, on on years and injuries so he's finally going to get his first real action so he's another guy who uh, can make plays with the ball in space and I'm really interested to see Texas has some really big tight ends they've got like three tight ends that are all six six plus and so I really if if I'm sitting in that film room and I'm I'm scheming up and I'm looking at OU's defensive backs and I'm looking at oh I've got Jared Wiley who's six six I've got Malcolm Epps who claims to be six seven but is really probably six six and a half I've got those two guys I'm running twelve personnel and trying to see if a cornerback can can check him.
3: Comer was that a Parish Cobb reference with the Waco comment there?
1: Of course it is.
3: That, that was not a bad. I, I just yeah. got onto that. That yeah, was. I'm uh, props to you on that. Those one. Waco boys are
1: something special, man.
3: So let's switch the topic to defense here. Uh, Defensively, Texas, they've looked a bit like Oklahoma during conference play. And just to clarify, that is not a compliment if anyone was wondering there. Um, What seems to be the root of the issue? Uh, Is it simply poor tackling or is it more about players being out of position?
2: So Tech was tackling, without a doubt. Tech was – they were – they were trying to tackle with their bodies. They were not putting hands on people. They were they were relying on, on hitting rather than tackling. And striking could only take you so far when you're when you're talking about fundamentals. the The TCU game is weird because I'm I and fans are pissed at me for this. They're in my mentions uh, that you know I honestly think the defense played well enough to win against TCU. When you look at how Big Twelve games are won, is trading seven for three. Right? You win a Big 12 game by forcing the other team to kick a field goal when you score a touchdown. And TCU got in the red zone three times and came away with three field goals. Texas punted on all three following possessions. So, like, the defense had an opportunity and really kept Texas in that game way more than they should have uh, with the way the offense played. I think the biggest issue for Texas is actually, like, first down run defense. It's really weird. Like, TCU averaged, like, six and change on the ground on first downs and like it was just not a good look so they were ahead of the chains for most of the game and tcu just stayed on the field they did what gary patterson teams do they kind of just boa constrict you where it's where they just kind of squeeze you to death and eventually in the fourth quarter you're like how how is this how is this a two-point game that feels like a 16-point game and that's really what uh what happened against tcu is they they struggled on early downs and they just couldn't get off the field
1: and something about oklahoma and texas is that during this game, you know, in the last few years, Texas has either like lost a player to targeting, uh, to an injury, uh, and I know they've even had lost some guys to transferring, and so sticking with defense, which players on that side of the ball should we basically be looking for and to make the bigger plays?
2: So Joseph O'Sai is, is always going to be the first name to come up. He's uh, one of the premier pass rushers in the conference and, and possibly even the country, if you, depending on who you talk to. And he has been a hair's breadth away from a big play for the last three weeks. Where uh, against Texas Tech, he got to Allen Bowman about a half a second too late, and it was they—they they were both could have been fumbles if the rule—if he got there like a quarter a second earlier knocked the ball of his hand as his arm was going forward so they were both uh ruled incomplete he came up with the strip sack actually against uh max duggan for tcu and so um i think joseph osai is a guy that you'll probably want to watch out for uh caden stearns is another guy who kind of plays plays center field really well he's not um You know, because he's a free safety, you don't see his name on the stat sheet uh, all the time. But you definitely—he's a guy who uh, is a captain of the defense and will uh, always—he's always seems to be in the right spot in the right area to make make a big center field play. But I think um, the area that I'm concerned about is the linebacking group. They—they're Delia Dayoa is out for the presumable like next several weeks because of an injury Uh, and it's already a thin group. Jawan Mitchell actually did get tossed against TCU on a, on a targeting uh, call. So, so Texas is pretty thin. Um, Court Jaquist is a guy who was a walk-on two years ago, and now he's probably uh, could potentially start against, against OU. So um, he's a guy that that's the matchup that I'm, I'm really looking for is OU and the kind of that, that mid-range slant RPO game uh, against these Texas linebackers.
3: Gerald, how is the fan base currently feeling about Tom Herman? Are most people taking this TCU loss with a grain of salt due to the uh, circumstances? Or is it seen as a symptom of issues within the leadership of the program?
2: Um, so as as an OU publication, you can understand this. Any loss is not taken with a grain of salt. They Correct. should hire everybody after every loss is what the message boards say. Uh, about the third quarter, the Twitter conversation that turns checks into, out. Yeah, the the Twitter conversation turned to how big of a check do they need to cut to get Urban Meyer to come out of retirement? Like, that's the literal conversation that Texas fans are having right now. Um, And I think they're, I'm not an Urban Meyer guy. I think I want to keep that guy a thousand thousand miles away from the the program. Uh, Because, again, winning is great, but do you want to sell your soul? It's another conversation for another day. Um, But I think with, I think the frustration is that the conference is pretty open this year. I think there are some teams that are really good, but when you go into a year where OU finally has the quarterback issues that everybody has been saying they were going to have every other offseason for the last 15 years, like that's that's the time when you have to capitalize. And Texas hasn't turned that corner very clearly. And so when OU is is not the big dog in the conference for the first time, basically since the conference's inception, and you've got an opening and an opportunity to kind of step through that door and you can't that's that's an indictment i i and i agree with it of, of the coaching now i don't think it's time to fire tom herman one because the economy's down and it's super expensive to do that currently Uh but i also just think like um there's a there's an opportunity against ou if texas can come out and show that they actually made some progress and if they can they can bring that golden hat back to austin i really think uh that win is is a pretty big ointment for uh for any loss
1: yeah so Talking about this game, how do you see someone really playing out? I mean, so what does Texas have to do in this game to make sure unranked Oklahoma goes from one and two to one and three in kind of a garbage garbage disposal, dumpster fire, season broke Oklahoma, send their season down the tank? What does Texas have to do?
2: I think offensively, I think Ellinger and the receivers need to stay on the same page. I think um you know, again, I think the communication was off. I think the receivers weren't running great routes. There were some mental mistakes in the receiver rooms. So I think offensively, um, don't beat yourself. Is, is, and it's, it's so cliche. I was made to be like a middle school football coach, but like they absolutely beat themselves against TC. as much as Gary Patterson and his team outplayed them. But like having a, having a wide receiver covered up on a, on a passing formation, that's, that's, that's on you. And that negated a 52-yard uh, completion a holding call on a 90 or an 80 yard kick return to open the game like that's beating yourself. And so I think um, getting out of your own way is, is number one, I think number two, uh, limiting OU, and really forcing Spencer Rattler to to beat you because he hasn't he hasn't shown that he he can do it yet right he hasn't shown that he's the guy with the killer instinct like OU oh, has had at quarterback for again what seems like my entire life and so um you know forcing Spencer Rattler out of the pocket to get uncomfortable to to really have to make throws to beat you i think those are the, probably the two things that uh, Texas can manage those i feel like it's a pretty positive outcome
3: Gerald are you ready for the rapid fire always sweet Gerald, do you miss Mac Brown?
2: Early Mac Brown or late Mac Brown? Now Mac Brown. Oh, man. Uh, Mac Brown right now is incredible. I'll be really honest with you. Mac Brown right now is incredible. He's back to, like, 2003, 2004 Mac Brown, and he's trying to recruit a national championship so he doesn't have to coach it, which I'm totally fine with.
3: (laughs) Who's your favorite sooner of all time? Uh,
2: Can I say Toby Rowland? Yeah, of course. I loved, I worked with Toby for like three years. He's an incredible human being.
3: He is outstanding. I don't think anyone has a bad word to say about Toby Rowland. He's the best.
2: I'll fight him. If they did, I would fight him.
3: Oh, me too. What's your favorite fair food of all time?
2: Oh, gotta be the corn dogs. Fletcher's corny dogs is, is hands down like the winner for me.
3: A a tear of joy came down from my eye. I'm not even going to be at the game this year as most people aren't going to be at the game this year, but they are going to have Fletcher's corny dogs inside of the stadium and inside of the fair, even though the fair's not going on. I mean, how happy does that make you, just knowing that that that's happening?
2: Like, that is is one of the better things to happen in this absolutely crazy year. I will never forget my last year covering uh, this game as a student. I was sitting in the press box, and they brought up, Corn dogs to the press box and we're handing them out and I'm like i don't even have to go stand in line that, that's this. better than
3: 99 percent of press box food you will ever have in your life too
2: it is 100 better than any press box food i've ever had so it was way better than fun.
3: airmark for damn sure <laughs> absolutely okay what are you going to be drinking during this game
2: um it's an early kick and i've got i've got a toddler so i've got to try to uh. keep things Pretty, pretty cinched up. So, probably, uh, uh, probably a Diet Coke, maybe, and maybe a Red Bull, depending on how well my kids sleep the night before.
3: There you go. What's your favorite movie featuring Matthew McConaughey?
2: Ooh. Um, so this one, this one's a little unknown and it's probably a controversial pick. Uh, there's a movie called Frailty that came out in like the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, okay. it is, it's, it's Matthew McConaughey, Bill Paxton, um, and basically, it's like his dad is a is a serial killer who thinks he's set by God. It's actually really, really cool. It's got a pretty cool twist at the end. Um, if you haven't seen it, Frailty is really cool.
1: Apparently, I need to get on. Tommy like me, or what's your favorite? Services. McConaughey. Tommy, me, or what's your favorite? Yeah. Oh man. The only thing I can think of right now, other than the new Wolf of Wall Street. It, which isn't anywhere close to my favorite Bacana thing. Cause he was just in it like as a cameo and almost like yeah, a great but, cameo. But though. I can, I, the only thing I can think of right now is the, is the classic dazed and confused. All right. All right. All right. They, you know, they, they, uh, stay the same age and he gets older.
3: That, that it's my favorite too. And he, he was actually a student at UT yeah. when that movie came out. So yeah. credit to UT there for producing that human being. But, um,
1: I think that really encapsulates like his persona.
3: Yeah, I think that stuck with him forever and I think he capitalizes off of it. I mean, I think it's 100. it's it's fantastic. It just seems like it seems like who he is in real life. But um I'm trying to think. It's probably gonna be that. Runner up's probably time to kill. Mm. Great movie. That was That's back good. when he was like a serious that was during yeah. his phase where he was like a serious actor. Mm-hmm. Like this was after us, Dazed and Confused and before like what was the failure to launch or whatever oh yeah when, I forgot was, about that one. that was a bad period oh, for. there
1: Matthew was the Mackay. 10 10 ways to lose a guy or something like that or how to lose a guy in 10 days that's what it is was that's
2: was it. he in yeah. that yeah he was he in was. that with
1: uh, kate hudson
2: okay we we also obviously have to mention dallas buyers club like it's a great movie it's okay. one yes I I, you, you you but it's one that you can't rewatch. like you watch it once you're like i feel terrible and then let's move on with my life that's, that's fair yeah.
3: i think that's fair absolutely all right uh kamir you got anything else
1: i'm i'm good man i'm just thankful for this is the second time i've talked to gerald in the last few months and now that the game's actually here football is actually being played a lot of the last time we podcast we were like i don't know if this bitch is gonna happen but yeah. man we hope so and of course our hopes were much higher than one and two and two and one
2: but here we
3: are <laughs> We thought we would have played more games by now, too.
1: For real, on God, seriously, I'm so glad we win over
3: Tennessee under our belt.
1: Yeah, I'm so glad you didn't play Tennessee this year, right now. But uh, we still beat them. But whatever. I don't know about that, homie. Uh, But I'm just glad to have Gerald back on the podcast. And Gerald, thanks for coming on. And tell everybody else where they can find your stuff because you put out some great stuff. I know.
2: Uh, well, one, thanks. I'm glad, I'm glad to be here. And and yes, I'm glad we did. I mean, relatively glad we have football. Uh, you can catch me on my personal Twitter at GH Goodridge. You can follow the show on Twitter, uh, at Longhorn pod. I still don't know how that was available, uh, but we got it. So at Longhorn pod on Twitter, uh, you can always catch me on burn orange nation uh, where I write, uh, all sorts of random stuff. All
1: right. Thanks, Charlie. Really appreciate it. And we'll catch you around next time, man. Thanks guys. All right, guys. So now we are joined. We just were left by Gerald Goodridge from Burnt Orange Nation. Now we're joined not only by Jack, who's with me before, but now Stephen Brown's hopped on the podcast. Stephen, you told us about uh, your, your life so far today, not doing so well, huh?
0: Today was a rough day. It was a rough day all around. Um, I will say I pushed the date back a little bit farther because I had to go to McAllister's. I had to get a sandwich, and then while I was there, uh, the lady offered me a $3 off coupon if I did a survey. So I did the survey right in front of her. I don't think she expected that. And I got a, a second sandwich for like $3 off. So, no, that's just that bad. Yeah. What sandwich did you get? Yeah, it's, it's a good. Uh, the first one was grilled chicken. I think the second one, I think it's a club. Hmm. I can't remember.
1: You hmm. know, I've been, I haven't been there in a while. I think the last place I've been there that was like that, though, was Panera.
3: Panera for me, too. I think I had Panera last week. Panera's not
1: bad. It's good stuff, man. It's good Pretty stuff. Good. It, could, yeah, this, it could be like Subway, where they found out, Ireland found out the bread was actually just cake and that this is not a meme. It just was cake. Have you heard that?
3: Was that the conclusion they made that it was cake?
1: Yeah, they were basically like the. the Irish, Subway bread so,
3: probably qualifies as cake in Ireland because so Ireland, you know, the, the our, cuisine's
1: a little bland. Our United, our United States Supreme Court's dealing with so many issues, and then the Irish Supreme Court is like. American bread. Uh, it's uh, you know, it's not real bread, man. It's cake. Is <laughs> so, that
3: your Irish impression, right? Yeah, there? I, don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm not,
1: I'm not, I'm not part Irish, and I never, I I'm never. Very Irish, but more, yeah, I'm not gonna. You know. I'm my not dad gonna did go to. Curse hey, you with... my Muslim dad did go to Bishop McGinnis when he, oh, when, for he when Real, he, yeah, when he came over. Your dad just, and I are McGinnis brothers. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so my dad, because my grandpa back in Iran before he passed away was this big oil guy. And so he sent my dad, he's like, I want to get you to good education also get you out of the military because these people are crazy. And so he sent uh, my dad to the best school uh, in Oklahoma, which was Bishop McGinnis, he, th- he said. And then um, he went on to be uh, a chemist at Central State, man. So, yeah, you and my dad are Irish, uh, Bishop McGinnis. So,
3: yeah, your dad is a, a McGinnis man. It's it's like a <laughs> Michigan man, but a little
0: less insufferable. Yeah, my you get an honorary like 5% Irish if you go there? Oh Damn
1: yeah, I, you know beard when when my beard grows out, I sometimes it's a little bit red, sometimes like I a little red hairs. Yeah, my dad, my dad prides himself on being an, not only the captain of the soccer team for Bishop McGinnis, but being the kicker for the football team. Very nice. So he's he's very excited about that. But man, we got some stuff to talk about. Sooners one and two. The Longhorns should have been one and two had Tech not just royally screwed up. Kind of like what OU did against Kansas State, Dallas, Texas. You look at ESPN's matchup predictor, they have Texas with a 66% chance of winning the game. But then you look at the odds makers and they say Sooners by two over under.
3: Yeah. I'm going to go with Vegas over ESPN's nonsense metric. I'm I'm sorry.
1: (laughs) That's fair. No
3: I really hope Bill Connolly wasn't involved in that. We love Bill Connolly, former SB Nation guy. I doubt that his metrics were involved there, but, uh, I think I'll go with Vegas over ESPN. No and disrespect.
1: I, th- I think that's fair. And, you know, both these guys are coming off a loss. Last time it happened, I mentioned to you guys earlier, Gerald, and, you know, 2014, the Sooners lost at TCU. It was that weird TK9 game where, like, he he led the receiver a little bit too far out of bounds, and they lost that game. And then I don't know who Texas lost to, probably like Iowa State or something like that. And uh, it was the Alex Ross kickoff return touchdown. Sanchez picked six, and it was like Oklahoma went up 31-14.
3: That was the Tyrone swoops coming that out. That was the Tyrone swoops coming out party, correctly.
1: and then the we almost, thought he was
3: going to dominate the world.
1: Yep, yep. He did not. Yeah, it that was a weird game. Oklahoma pulled away, and then they only won thirty one twenty six. It was a tight game to close it out, and so Oklahoma comes in this game, guys, backs fully against the wall. I mean, Kirk Herb Street mentioned it, He's like and when these when these guys backs are against the wall, they uh they tend to they they perform. And man, if one and two isn't backs further against the wall, you know it's. It seems like all or nothing. This seems like a season-defining game, especially mm-hmm. for the Sooners. And so tell me, guys, your feelings and your thoughts on what's at stake this Saturday.
0: Uh, Well, the thing is, like, last week, OU had a lot to lose there as far as getting out of contention for the Big 12 um, for the most part. You know, things can happen. There's some chaos in there. But um, this week, I mean, they have nothing to lose at all. I mean, they're pretty much out of it. Um, if they lose, you know, they're all the way out of it. Um, I want to see this team, I want to see how they respond to having nothing to lose. They have no expectations going into this game.
3: Yeah, definitely. Really From a psyche perspective, there's a lot on the line here. I, I Like, I, I know what you mean, like, as far as season goals are concerned, nothing really on the line. But from a, a mental perspective, I mean, if OU wins this Saturday, the fan base is back to being okay generally. If OU loses, we are going to have an existential crisis on our hands. It's going to be rough times around these parts. I, I if I if Texas if the B O N people they and they are smart, but I, I'm saying if they are smart, they will mimic your uh, meltdown idea. Mm-hmm that you used last year if texas wins this game because that 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 stuff is gold and by the gold. way i'm assigning that to you if oh i,
1: I really hope i get to write another advance yeah
3: but it, and it, it is juicy um and i love using the word juicy i have no shame in my game but um <laughs> did, you,
1: did you like like in the early 2000s when britney spears and those folks would wear pants that said juicy on the butt were you a fan of those
3: you think i wasn't a fan of britney spears wearing some tight pants
1: but you but the word specifically too is like man not only i didn't mind it i didn't hate it all right cool you win twice brother there you go <laughs> man it's just this game this game like you said yeah i, I agree with everything you said jack uh I, it this seems like holy crap if, if oklahoma's backs weren't against the wall now this seems like existential crisis people already want to get rid of grinch if the p- people are going to think Oh, Lincoln Riley, you know, it's too much for him despite him going to three back-to-back-to-back uh, semifinals and, you know, of course, the uh, conference championships in a row. And with all that said, you know, I mean, like you said, Jack, I thought about this for a while. Like, you know, this is going to be, at the end of the season, this is going to be one of the best six and four teams in the country. <laughs> like, You're going to look back at it and say, yeah, it seems going to be one of the best six and four teams in the country. And, you know, if Oklahoma wins on Saturday, suddenly that TCU game, you're like, we can win that game.
3: Well, I mean, it's kind of like what uh, Alan said. You know, you mentioned being the best 6-4 and team in the country. Alan was mentioning, you know, it could kind of end up feeling a little like the 2005 or 2009 season where the Sooners didn't reach double-digit wins, but by the end of the year, everyone felt really good.
1: Yeah. I think this
3: has a chance to be one of those seasons.
1: And you mentioned this early on when Gerald was on, and I, and I, t- I talked about this when me and Stephen did the post-game pod on Sunday when we were both recovering. Um, you know, this team, and you mentioned the 99 Stoops team, the last time Oklahoma won, lost consecutive games, and I feel like this team has a lot of parallels to the 99 Stoops team as far as the guys being young, young playmakers that maybe get leads late in games or maybe have substantial leads against good teams like Notre Dame, like they did in 99. Mm -hmm. and they and texas the next week texas the next week right and they they just they had the lead but they were young they didn't know how to win those tight situations at this big of a level yet and so i think i really think i've drawn a lot of parallels from there and of course you have a young hungry head coach tonight but what you don't have is a really good defense but you have a lot of really good young pieces so i mean this 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 thing is going to be really interesting Um, regardless we're still gonna you know run this train if oklahoma loses but I've got, of course, I hope they win because then I get to write another meltdown piece because those boys are always fun. But Seth McGowan rumored to be out, y'all, with a spaghetti brain, as some people would say, and a concussion like a protocol. And Ronnie Perkins, even though like their Lincoln Rally's playing Games- with words, guys. Games-
3: gamesmanship, guys. Gamesmanship.
1: she's playing with words. Everybody knows Ronnie Perkins is going to play, and maybe maybe a Jalen Saunders situation. I doubt it though chris murray might uh, get something approved who knows though i doubt it but let's say ronnie perkins of course does raise the level of this defense but if you're without seth McGowan, how does this even out for you guys how much how much boost does this team get from getting ronnie perkins out back but maybe losing a seth McGowan?
3: i think the big thing with perkins is you finally have an emotional leader on the field with ronnie perkins yes, that's one of the biggest right. things i agree with that clearly this team is lacking that they're lacking it both from him and from Caleb Kelly not being out there. I mean, there's really not much defensive leadership out there. So, I mean, from that perspective, it's huge. And also, I mean, pass rush, there were some decent things from the pass rush on Saturday night. If you had a guy like Ronnie Perkins out there, I mean, that could have been the difference between a win and a loss.
1: I wholeheartedly agree with that. Yeah, I was screaming that, actually, in in, in the house and in my group chats. (laughs) Steven, what about you?
0: Yeah, I think, Perkins, I think, well, I, I argued with a friend of the podcast, Keegan No, about this last night. Um, he said, how, how is OU so I love bad at tackling? Of that. How is OU yeah. so bad? And I was just like, well, first you have Kenneth Murray, who was not only just a tackling machine, but he just elevated everybody else. He was that voice, and he yep. backed up the talk with the play, so... OU doesn't have that guy right there. Uh, Ronnie Perkins could definitely be that guy. Um, he makes one big play. He's going to rally some guys around him. So, absolutely, I think Ronnie Perkins changes this game.
1: And I, I keep on thinking, you know, when we all thought those three guys were Mondria, Stevenson, Trajan, Bridges, and, and Ronnie Perkins, I thought, you know, the most significant piece of that missing is Ronnie Perkins, especially for that Texas game. I thought, man, the defensive line depth is kind of weak. And now that you have, instead of using Stripling as a starter, instead of you using, you know, two, four, five because you can't go much deeper, and, you, you know, instead of using Reggie Grimes, now you can insert a Ronnie Perkins, who's likely the best defensive player on this team, and of course, want an all conference selection. So I think he moves the needle, and I think he moves the needle a lot more than Seth McGowan does. Now, with Seth McGowan maybe out, you know, it's still a rumor. Would you suspect to see a ton of TJ Pledger? With small spices of maybe not only Marcus Majors, but maybe a Mikey Henderson. What do you think, Steven?
0: Yeah, I was going to go with Mikey Henderson because there's something going on with Marcus Major. I don't know if it's injury or they just don't have that confidence in him yet, but uh, a guy like Mikey Henderson, he looked good in the first game. Um, I think if you you need someone to spell pleasure for a series or two, Mikey Henderson could definitely be that guy.
1: And Jack, I mean, Lincoln Riley said this team has and he he was very forthcoming about it, especially since every every really post-conference or post, you know, whatever presser after the Iowa State game has been really forthcoming. You know, he mentioned today that the team had really responded to how they had been pushing their players all week. And he feels like they maybe elevated their elevated their play, definitely. And so, I mean, in what ways would you imagine that you would have liked to see certain position groups elevate their game.
3: How would I like to see them elevate their game? I mean, offensively with the offensive line, it is, I mean, I don't know if this is something that can necessarily be improved from week to week, but they seem out of shape. The offensive line does. Yeah, I agree. They seem slow. So, I mean, that's, I don't know if you can get in condition from week to week. I mean, I I feel like they might need the bye week to really get right body-wise, don't you think? But uh, defensively, you're not going to fix this tackling culture overnight. You're not going to fix the issues with the wide receivers overnight. You're not going to fix Buki overnight.
1: Yeah, and, and, and Lincoln mentioned I mean, I, I feel like
3: a lot of this, I mean, I I don't doubt that maybe he sees something, but this sort of seems like lip service to me.
1: Wouldn't you say? I mean, I, kind of. I mean, he did. Lincoln didn't mention today that, he feels like, in the question had to be asked like eight different times before he answered it finally, but Lincoln mentioned that, you know, players, it seems like they've been more focused on stripping at the ball because of the whole turnover thing in the back yes. of their brain. He mentions how they've been stripping the ball instead of tackling. Do you think that plays into definitely what you're talking about as far as like, because last mean, year Oklahoma was flying around and just wrapping up and not looking to make turnovers. This year it seems different.
3: I mean, I don't know why that would change from year to year though. Right. I mean, you would think that Grinch would stress the same things from year to year. I feel like a lot of it is just like Stephen was saying, losing someone like Kenneth Murray, and I think I, I think part of it is maybe maybe this is a reach, mm. but some of it could be that maybe Grinch's fetish with turnovers is maybe getting in the heads of the players. Maybe that's probably a hot take, but I, I it maybe too far that, off. yeah I, I who knows. It's it's, it's 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 it's
1: like one of those things. It's one of those things like where if you can get a team to say, "Oh shit, it's happening again!" Like you drop the first INT, and then the second INT bounces off somebody of else's arms, and it's like, "Shit, it's happening again!" Like and, and you're so, like, "Oh god, fall,
3: Grinch is gonna really lay into fall me down for that trap." Pick. Yes. you
1: fall down that trap. Everybody's had that moment in their lives, but by doing something in like it's like, "Oh, here it goes again." Everybody knows that with their favorite sports teams, like, "Uh oh, this happened. Oh, it's 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 gonna spire out." So. I mean, I'm curious to see how that shakes out. So, Stephen, same question. Lincoln Riley talked about how the team responded, how they've been pushed. What ways have you wanted them to be pushed, and how do you want them to really emulate that on Saturday?
0: I mean, they've been being pushed for like the next last two weeks. I'm pushing the backfield, yeah. <laughs> so, um, I don't know how much you can push these guys. They just need to go out there and respond um, to a team that's just going to hit them. These they have to learn to hit back. Um, as far as you know, Lincoln talking about they're focusing on stripping instead of of tackling. I, I don't buy that because when you watch the film, these guys are just diving at ankles and they miss every time, or they
1: they Trey try Norwood
0: to tackle, or they're trying to shoulder tackle. They can't wrap up, so if they're not going to wrap up, they're not going to strip a ball either. So I, I agree. I, I'm not buying that too much. of That it's just a bad culture of on defense that they just don't want to go out there and hit.
1: Yeah, man. <laughs> watching the Iowa State game. It was incredibly clear that unless your name was DeLarian Turner-Yell, you were not wanting to hit in that game. Trey Norwood, Trey Brown, uh, Patrick Fields, Buki, who played one of the worst games I've ever seen him play. All these dudes were at the ankles, not wanting to drive their opponent backwards. And I, that, that takes me to my next, next question is, right now, knowing what they know about their team and knowing that you have Ronnie Perkins coming back, and knowing that you maybe have some other reinforcements on the offensive line you can utilize, but knowing what you do now, is Oklahoma tough enough to play Texas? That's the narrative every year. And Stephen, I'm coming in right back to you.
0: Are they tough enough? Um, I think so. And that might be going against what my last point was, but if there's one team that can get in Texas's head, It's OU. So all they have to do is go out there. If they just go out there angry, if they're pissed off about the last two weeks, they want to make a statement, they can absolutely play with Texas, if not just run over Texas if they wanted to. They have the talent. They've had more talent than they've ever had before. Um, It's just a matter of can you get that mentality. So um, can they do it? Yes. Will they do it? Uh, I have no idea. Probably not.
3: And, see, it's not like this year's Texas team, like the Texas teams we've seen in the past, is really built to, I guess, be – I'll rephrase that. Texas is number – what is it? 72 nationally in tackling, according to the metric yeah. from Alex Kirshner we saw today. Yeah. Yep. Oklahoma 73rd, Vanderbilt yeah. 74th, poor Commodores.
1: Not good. Um
3: I mean, this isn't really the same Texas team that has really given Oklahoma fits physically in recent years. Texas isn't really built that way this year, it seems like.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: This isn't as physical of a Texas team as the ones we've seen, I guess, in 2013 that beat Oklahoma in 2015 that beat Oklahoma yep. up front. Or even the one they the, saw
1: in the Big 12 title game.
3: Exactly. Or, yeah, the 2018 team. Or mm-hmm. even the ones that gave Oklahoma trouble in victories. You know, it's, it's I don't this Texas team is not the type of Texas team that we're used to. That is just going to dominate Oklahoma up front. I don't think. So I'm not really seeing those same issues coming about. Then again, Oklahoma's offensive line has looked terrible through a few games. So, you know, maybe Texas can look like world beaters against Oklahoma this week. Who knows? So,
1: yeah, it it's so, it's such a mystery. I mean, like, Oklahoma counts on two teams to prove how tough they are every year. And it's Texas and Kansas state and the Kansas state thing seemed to be pretty well you know, done, but they still weren't able to run the ball. And then you look at, Oh my goodness. You look at the Iowa state film and you see Creed Humphrey just get knocked flat on his ass and ran over. And it's like, what has happened between now and last year? Like I get it. There was, I knew, I know there's a pandemic, but an offensive line that dominant from that year ago and several years like that, especially of Creed's caliber, that's just, like, out of left field, something that we have not been used to. And so, like like I said, by the end of the season, Oklahoma's going to be one of the best 6-4 and four teams in the country because the offensive line's going to have it together, and Oklahoma's going to have an elite quarterback. And then a defense may be marginally improved if they can get their crap together. But, yeah, I mean, I, don't, I feel like Oklahoma's tough enough to play Texas, but I also thought they were tough enough to play Iowa State. And of course I was, they offered high advantages and they weren't beating Oklahoma at the line of scrimmage too much, but Oklahoma, they couldn't tackle. So like a second 15 ended up being a second four. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see what the emphasis was on practice coming out. And maybe a Chris Murray does somehow get eligibility. And then you trust him with the left side, of the offensive line, the blind side of Spencer Rattler. So we'll see how that works out. But I mean, if he gets eligible, I wouldn't put it past the Oklahoma to play him. So Uh, Jack, I'm coming to you first. Let's go advantages for Oklahoma. What advantage do the Sooners have in this game?
3: You know, personnel-wise in this year's game, based on what I've seen, I don't see a ton of mismatch, you know, advantages for Oklahoma. I mean, as far as certain positions are going. I mean, I don't see Oklahoma's offensive line necessarily matching up great against the defensive line. I don't necessarily see Oklahoma's current receiving core matching up particularly well against the secondary at texas i i'm not saying it's horrible but i'm not mm. it's not going to be like a huge advantage or anything like that um, i definitely don't see oklahoma's defensive backs as an advantage against Texas's wide receivers because that's a major advantage for texas
1: oklahoma's um, does have one key one though right what do we got here head coach
3: there you go that's what i was going to go with yeah. i'm just going to say between the years i think oklahoma has the Mental advantage on the field. I think the psychological advantage is Oklahoma's, even with two straight losses. I think they have the psychological advantage over Texas and just a better program culture than what you see at Texas. Vodka
1: Tom is going to poop his pants. He's going to implode. (laughs) Yeah, he's probably going to poop his pants on the sideline. Uh, Steven, advantages for Oklahoma. What do you
0: got? You went uh, coaching. I'll, yeah. go, uh, I'll go quarterback play. I think Spencer Rowell is go. yeah. probably going to be the best quarterback they're going to see. Um, even if he's not at his best yet, um, he's still going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the in the country as far as just being an arm talent. Um, as well, I'll go Ronnie Perkins as well because you can kind of use him as an X, X factor. You haven't seen him throughout the, the past three games. You can't really account for what he's going to do too much. Um, so that might be something that could – Texas might be able to overlook just a little bit
1: okay okay so since you were Ronnie Perkins I'm gonna go the opposite side of the line because we talked about this in the post game pod that Nick Benito get in the backfield and seemingly not do too much but now with Ronnie Perkins there to able to create havoc and the increased rate of havoc with him and Perry Winfrey now I think you're looking at the that Texas offensive line more or less giving way to Ronnie Perkins and and Winfrey, who's taking on two guys, leaving Nick Benito to come in a few times, maybe unscathed and not touched, to really light up Sam Ellinger. And I, I think, I think that rush edge position could be huge for Oklahoma in this game. And if Oklahoma's going to win. Nick Benito, John Michael Terry, whoever else they're playing on that edge, they're going to have to get home. And Oklahoma's going to have to twist. They're going to have to stunt like they did last year. Stuff that Texas hadn't seen from Oklahoma before. So. Oklahoma has the the edge, I feel like, like you said, Jack, in between the years, Coach Riley and Alex Grinch, I feel like they do, and those systems are already installed, Whereas as Texas, they're still going on, they're they're learning in the middle of the season how they should work that stuff. And like what you, Steven, said about specifically, you know, Ronnie Perkins, I'm going go to go the opposite side, rush edge, and say, you know, Ronnie Perkins is going to offer a lot of other guys a lot more opportunities on that edge, so that's what I'm looking for. Now, let's flip it back. And Steven, I'm coming to you first. What are the advantages for Texas?
0: Uh, the biggest advantage is they know what to have to do. Just be a physical football team and you have a good chance against Oklahoma. So I don't think it's too sophisticated. Sam Ellinger is a, a good strong runner, so um, if they can get that that running game going, they have a lot of, uh, they have a good chance of winning this game. Jack, what you got? Hold on just a second.
3: sorry i was uh, I was looking up something um. What was the question again? It was porn.
1: He was looking As at the, porn. The I
3: was not Spears looking fans. at porn. Just settle down, y'all.
1: Uh, advantages for Texas. <laughs> advantages sure. for Texas.
3: Oh, the wide receiver group against Oklahoma's defensive backs. Texas's wide receivers are enormous.
1: Yeah, they're, they're bats,
3: against guys it? like Trey Brown and Buki. Yeah, good night. <laughs> That's yeah, going to be an issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: There's yeah. It's hard to it's hard not to pick an advantage for Texas. I mean, you look at what the Oklahoma offensive line has been doing the first few games, even against Missouri State you know, that's 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 troubling. So you, the, the way their linebackers and defensive linemen can attack Oklahoma's front five, uh, that that's very concerning on offense, of course. And then, of course, Texas has the better defensive backs to Oklahoma's wide receiver talent. Um, Texas has really good wide receiver talent. Oklahoma's defensive backs are not so hot. So Oklahoma, if they want to win this game, they're going to have to rely on young talent, I feel like, and they're going to have to rely on what's in between the ears of Lincoln Riley and Alex Grinch, and that's what I got. So Texas has a lot of advantages. Now, this is something that new and something I didn't tell you guys about, and I want you to be bold. So, Jack, I'm coming to you. Say something that is your own bold take or bold takes of this game.
3: I think the tackling for both teams is going to improve in this game just because of the stakes of the rivalry and all of that. The intensity of the game, I think, will ratchet up the tackling for both teams. And I think we're going to have a lower scoring game than
0: perhaps was anticipated.
1: I think that's fair. Steven, what about you?
0: Jack kind of took mine. So I think I'm going to go, I might just piss people off. I'll go Buki as two turnovers. Ooh. Um, Ooh. I think the way he responded after the LSU game, um, both, you know, in the locker room and then coming out of the season having that good game against uh, Missouri state. And then that good half against Kansas state uh he seems to take things personally so i i don't doubt that he probably looks at the iowa state game and wish he could have it back but he has a lot to prove in this game and he's one of those guys that uh will go out there and do it
1: i feel like that's fair ibuki had a hell of a game last year in the red river ri- red river rivalry shootout showdown whatever awesome you want to be he was good oh, man the, the defense well. was well coached in, in that in that game so you know, and Buki does tend to show out when there is doubt cast on him. Like he did have a good game against Kansas State. You know, prior to Kansas State, just Oklahoma just melting down offensively, and he just man, it's it's tough when you're a foot shorter than Car- Charlie Culver definitely. And so, my bold my bold take, and maybe I'll have a couple. My bold take is either one of these, one of the two following defensive players will be replaced after a bad series or bad half. Trey Brown or Pat Fields. You've got Joshua Eaton. If they're just saying, let it run, you know, this is a developmental year. Cool. Or Woody Washington slash Bryson Washington. Both are far larger and can play in the safety position. I love Pat Fields. And, you know, we've been talking about this for a while. I love Pat Fields. He's a high IQ guy. He's going to do great things in life. He's not going to play in the NFL. He's like a
0: Chance Sylvie guy.
1: Yes, he is. He's going to do great things. He's a great guy. He's not going to be in the NFL bryson washington woody washington jeremiah credo has been kind of a disappointment so far right now i mean he's still young but i feel like one of those dudes is gonna step up at after half and then on the opposite side of the ball i wouldn't be be at all surprised to see an andrew rame come in and supplant tyrese robinson or marquise hayes because a he's not overweight not 30 pounds overweight when he came to campus but also b I mean, it, right now, it's not the amount of blocks you're missing. It's the amount of help, push, and care you give. And I feel like a dude like Andrew Raim will probably get you a lot better stuff with a lot dumb, with a lot fewer dumb penalties in between snaps. And so I really like that, and I really like Andrew Raim. So that's my bold take. And so what I'm going to say is, Stephen, what do you actually see happening in this game? No score prediction yet. That's last. But what do you see happening? What do you see playing out?
0: I think it will remain close. I don't see Oklahoma just – I haven't seen the X factor at the end. I haven't seen that that willingness to win a game. So, if it comes down to the final drive, I don't see them, you know, scoring and, and walking off the field. So, I think it will remain close. I think Oklahoma has a chance at the end. But, ultimately, uh, they may not learn to win this game. I think I think they still lose it.
1: Jack?
3: Sam Ellinger – the last few weeks or not so much against Texas tech, but against TCU, he showed some signs of being kind of erratic a little bit. Like usually he's someone who I guess is a little steadier and less turnover prone than most quarterbacks, even though he's not very talented with his arm. He's a bit of a Tim Tebow, but he, he's a, a dollar general Tim Tebow basically is what he is, but
0: wow. he doesn't turn it over too much.
3: <laughs> but um, I think, yeah, I don't think he's I think he's going to I don't think he's going to be the person who loses this game for Texas. I think he is probably going to I'm not saying he's going to have a 2018 type of game because I I don't think I could handle that emotionally.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: But um I I I don't think he's going to turn it over in this game. I think this is his last game against Oklahoma. I think he's going to be laser focused. And while I do think Oklahoma wins this game, I don't think it's going to be because of mistakes from Sam Ellinger.
1: And man, with you saying that, I think about what Gerald said uh, earlier and, and, uh, I feel like Sam has a lot of pressure on him right now. And I he feel does. like he I feel like he wants to go out and prove that, you know, he is a He definitely
3: wanted to prove something against Gary Patterson yeah, and it didn't he wanted,
1: happen. He wanted to prove something, especially once he comes he wants to come out and prove something this year that he is the best quarterback in the Big Twelve because Oklahoma has had great quarterbacks for the last five years and he wants to prove I'm the best and I'm gonna go first, you know, in one of the first few rounds the NFL draft and he wants That's to win happening. a big 12 title. And <laughs> You know, I mean, and this year seems like to what Gerald said. It seems like Sam's kind of wrapped up in that a little bit and wanted to make the big play because he's the senior, he's the guy. And I, I'm curious to see what happens if they, if if genuinely he loses to four different Sooner quarterbacks and bake Kyler in the championship game, Jalen Hurts, and maybe a freshman and Spencer Rattler. I'm curious to see what happens and how Longhorn fans will view not just Longhorn fans, but fans in general will view Ellinger's legacy because for Longhorn fans, Ellinger's the best thing since Colt McCoy. And that's not going far because Oklahoma's had a bevy of great quarterbacks since 2008, you know, uh, or even since 2004, if you count, uh, if of course you, win, you count Jason White. So what I see happening in this game is I see Oklahoma, really, I see Oklahoma getting down to an early lead. We've seen that the last two games. I see I see Oklahoma playing well early. I see them executing in a higher rate. I see them tackling well. But I also see Oklahoma showing their youth, whereas Texas, they're no longer the, oh, we're so young group anymore. Oklahoma's that group this year, but they won't make it a mistake next year. Or really, they won't make it an excuse, not a mistake. They won't make an excuse next year either. And so I see Oklahoma stopping some Texas momentum a few times with some stopgap plays and some field goals and holding Texas to field goals and maybe a couple turnovers, like Steven mentioned. But in the end, I see Texas – being far too talented, um, it, this this time it will be about the Jimmy's and Joe's and not the X's and O's that Lincoln Riley can craft up. And so I, I think I see Texas winning out here. So, uh, Steven, what's your score prediction for this
0: game? Uh, I'll go OU mm, – let's go OU 30, Texas 35. Mm, okay. Jack?
3: I'm going to go Oklahoma 38, Texas 35.
1: Wow.
3: Yeah, I, I think I think Oklahoma with Ronnie Perkins back in the picture. Obviously, they're, the matchup with the defensive backs for Oklahoma against Texas is huge wide receivers is problematic, but I think with Ronnie Perkins back, the pass rush is going to get to Ellinger a little bit, and I think that's going to – Limit the big plays. I think they're going to hit on a few of them, but I think that's going to be limited. So I think they're going to be able to keep them to, I guess, 35 points total in the game. And I think Gabe Burkage comes up big, game-winning field goal, calling it.
1: I, ho- I hope so. I hope so. Uh, I because definitely hope so. My, my prediction is not as fun. Um, I do, Like I said, I have Oklahoma. I really have Oklahoma playing it really tough for the first half, like we've seen the past couple weeks. I mean, especially let's, – let's dismiss the Kansas State game. Like, they should have had that game. They refused to step on the neck of K-State, and they let it get to them. But last game, you know, tough to win in tight situations. I feel Oklahoma will play really well in the first half. And I feel like, you know, like you said, Jack, I agree. I think Texas will hit on some big plays. And I think Oklahoma will stop them in the first half and hit on their own big plays per se. But I think in the second half, with adjustments, uh, you know, with players that Oklahoma doesn't necessarily have the players, but they have the X's and O's against a more veteran Texas team. You know, of course, they are both having their own issues. Tackling, playing defense. Uh, Oklahoma's rushing defense is actually better than Texas's, uh, but that's not going to say much if Oklahoma gets 115 yards. But that's to say, I'm picking Texas in this one. Count it, 41, 24, 17 points
0: Ooh. difference. Damn! You can yeah, hear man. someone just slam their phone against the desk.
1: Yep, I, I just, I just see it happening, man. I, I, I Call Texas OU. <laughs> I'm an OU hater. Why, why am I on the why am I on the podcast? Uh, but no, I, just, I, and I'm not going to scream into a mic and tell you like different opinions that aren't my own. But um, but really, no, I, I I think Texas has. They have a good running back. They have maybe the offensive line isn't as great. I mean, Oklahoma's not like they're any better. Um, and then they've got a veteran quarterback. Of course, the fans aren't full, so that helps you out. But, man, they, they've got dynamic athletes at wide receiver in Oklahoma. They don't really have that, and they don't really have the dynamic athletes at defensive back either. So I think it's going to be problematic, especially if Rattler is running for his life. So, I mean, if Oklahoma can only have three receivers run out in motion and in, in routes, and if Austin Stogner has to constantly stay in the line and chip on a defensive end and then run like a leak out, a leak route like over the middle of the field, not good news but if they're able to hold their own then maybe the the game will be very competitive throughout the entire game i just don't, i just don't see it man i just don't see it maybe maybe i hate oklahoma i mean maybe i do but it's just you're
3: part of the anti-ou deep state Kamiar.
1: I guess man i guess but that that's my story i'm sticking to it but uh what what else what other games are happening this weekend that are significant are there? I bet I've off. kind of
3: tuned out, so I don't even know.
1: Yeah, I feel it's. I mean, I'm going like... to do my
3: gambling post later this week, so I'll figure it out. But as of now, I am not entirely sure. Let let's let's see. Florida and A and M. That's not bad.
1: Yeah. Oh my God. Um, and I knew A and M was going to. Georgia, Tennessee, by
3: um, Iowa State, Texas Tech, Bama, Ole Miss, Miami, Clemson. That's not bad. Oh, oh yeah, Clemson. I'm interested. That's in That's not Emin. bad. Uh, and that's that's pretty much it. North Carolina,
0: Virginia Tech would be. That's pretty good.
3: Yeah, definitely good.
1: You're not excited about turn of the Mac. Auburn playing the Arkansas Razorbacks, who just defeated Mike Leach.
3: Ooh. I do like Arkansas's coach Grove, Oklahoma native, the guy who
1: says yes, sir. (laughs) I remember when he first tweeted that, and I I I hate it it so much. But I mean, he
3: he is Arkansas's Ed Ogeron.
1: No, but no, yeah, I agree.
3: Like, like, from a cultural perspective, Grove, Oklahoma is basically Arkansas.
1: Cause I remember that tweet specifically. He just, he, it sounded like this. He's like, Jeddah just got off a plane, recruiting trip, getting some more hogs. Yes, sir. <laughs> Go hog. And I was like, I was like, oh, I hate this so much. And then I watched it 10 more times. And I was like, oh, why is it happening again? I hate how much I love this guy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he seems cool. I mean, just like, the entire SEC coaching tree is Sabanites. Like, come on. Like, whatever. They all run the same crap now. It's whatever. But, man, I'm, I'm ready to get out of here. What about you guys? Yeah, I'm ready to go to bed.
3: I'm ready to get out of here. I, I, I'm, I'm ready to not think about football for a little bit. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. You only have a, a, a vice president. It is
3: weird. Like, I wake up, up every morning. Usually <laughs> OU Texas week, I wake up every morning like, mm-hmm. oh, it's OU Texas week. This – this Ticking week it takes out me out until about ten a.m. to remember that it's OU Texas week. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, My my screen time, according to iPhone, like last week was down twelve percent. This it's down so far fifteen percent this week. So wow, That's staying good off for you though. staying off the Twitter sphere because uh, the good past the can't eyes. hurt me. Yeah, the, the past can't hurt me if it's if I'm not watching it. So. All right, guys. Well, thank you for listening to the podcast. Uh, If you're listening into it and you're not subscribed, what are you doing? Subscribe to it and then give us a five-star rating, which a couple more people did. appreciate you guys that did do that false on crimson posting stuff every day it's a lot of great stuff and then my bad betting picks that we throw out every friday or saturday i'm terrible at picking teams so don't ever like use my picks if you're actually betting just you're listen to alan
0: yeah
1: listen to alan jack's <laughs> having jack's having you're having success too i'm just i'm bad. doing all right don't listen to my
0: takes i was they're, at 69 nice but now i'm done to
1: 60 oh it's week of- was
0: really really bad
1: Speaking of 69, we missed, we forgot to crown our 69th episode a week ago. And I, I, I found out too late and I was pretty sad. So oh. happy post 69th best nice podcast.
3: <laughs> well, <a> retroactive nice. <laughs> yeah, a
1: retroactive nice, but Hey, follow us on Twitter. There is Jack is usually the main guy in the account at CC machine or follow Jay Larry shields. I'm at came Robbie and CCM. Follow Steven at OUUpdatedSB. Follow Alan Kenny, who also puts out great podcasts and does amazing work at Blatant Homerism. Um, We're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. We'll check you guys later after Saturday. If there's a sun the next day, cool. If there's not, we'll still have a post-game podcast for you guys. And uh, we'll see you guys on the other side. Have a good one.